exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Hurinkiu, and I will be your host for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host to my left, Megan. How's it going? Hey, it's going great, other than I'm missing the basketball game right now. Yeah, the Spartans actually are playing right now. Game just tipped off here at Spartan Stadium at 7 o'clock. So, uh, if you want to, it's something to watch. It's still exhibition. They're playing, uh, what was it, Nebraska-Omaha? Nebraska-Omaha. I think it's on the Big Ten Network, too, so unless you have... Uh, satellite. I don't think you're going to be able to watch it. Okay. Well, you know they're playing. I mean, they, uh, they already uh, won their uh, first exhibition game of the year against Saginaw Valley State. Uh, I believe it was 88 to 44. I mean, not not even a close game. And who thought that game would be close? But uh, we'll get talking a little bit more about uh, that later. But we will start the show off uh, with the Spartans, the football Spartans. Uh, they played this weekend here at Spartan Stadium. Played the Minnesota Gophers. Beat them 31 to eight. Uh, basically uh, dismantled them. The Gophers, they looked like the record. Uh, one in eight coming in, uh, winless in the conference. Uh, Minnesota, I think, if they actually hired a bunch of Gophers to play football, they could have done a little better. Uh, Minnesota's a terrible team. Uh, Michigan State, you know, they took care of business, and now they get a week off. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't see a ton of this game. I saw some of it, definitely saw the highlights. And, uh, you know, the running game picked up. Uh, running game was fantastic. Uh, Edwin Baker played like a beast. Guy had 179 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Edwin Baker did a phenomenal job out there. Uh, Cousins, he didn't have to do a lot. Uh, kid was 9 for 20, 131 yards, one interception. Uh, just, you know, basically it was a running game. It's good to see the run finally get back. This team needed that. They hadn't had it, you know, basically all of October. Uh, they were stunted in their run game. And, you know, they got some practice on a pretty crappy team. And so nothing wrong with that. Now, uh, Megan, did you go to this game? Yes, this was one of the ones I actually... You could was, attend. What's that? Yeah, when you could attend. Yes, when I can attend. <laughs> and... um. It was just, it was such a blowout. So many people left early, but we decided to stay till the end. And I mean, it was a cold day, but it was yeah. fun. And it was a good game to watch. It was finally nice to see them win, you know, come off a, come off a loss to a win and everything. And well, no, definitely. I mean, you know, it's a game that we knew they would win, honestly. I would have been shocked, absolutely shocked they lost this game. Uh, they played a pretty good football game, uh, you know, took care of the football only. You know, like I said, one interception there for Cousins. And, uh, you know, they took care of the football, like I said, penalties. Uh, you know, they're not shooting themselves in the foot. Four penalties, 31 yards. Uh, that is good. That's a very doable number. You'll take that any game. Uh, they did a good job. Basically, I mean, and then forcing Minnesota, tough on third down. Two for 12 for Minnesota on third down. And uh, actually, not bad on fourth down. Three for five. Did not know that. But, I mean, basically, this game was almost a shot. I mean, they were up 21 nothing at the half. And uh, at the end of the third quarter, they're up 24 nothing. So this game was pretty much out of reach. And that's why we were just running the ball. Cousins didn't have to do a lot. And that's absolutely fine. The best thing for this team right now is they have a bye week. Finally, 10 weeks after 10 weeks straight, they get to rest. And this team needs that more than anything right now. Uh, they're dealing with injuries with Keyshawn Martin, our receiver. Cornerback Darquise Denard is out still. Guard Chris McDonald and linebacker Chris Norman all have remained out. And 
Of course, like usual, D'Antonio doesn't say anything. Uh, you know, he's not discussing the injuries, so we really don't know how serious Keyshawn Martin's injury is, or even Darquise Denard. Uh, hopefully, Martin, you know, will be back by the time we play Penn State. Uh, we definitely need that kid. You know, he's our X factor. He's the difference maker out there. Uh, you know, he can run the slot. He can run good routes. Great return, return guy. So, like I said, I think the best thing for this team, Megan, is basically the bye week. They need they need to rest. And uh, I don't want to say that they would have beat Iowa necessarily if they had a week off earlier in the season, but it could have helped. Uh, this is a quite a late buy. Uh, I think we're like the second, the only like the second, only two teams in the Big Ten have buys this late. Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota. (laughs) So, so we were the only two teams that didn't have a buy yet coming into the the game. But I mean, I don't think it would have made much of a difference for the Minnesota game. No, definitely not for the Minnesota game. Uh, But you know, it could have helped us with the Iowa game. Nonetheless, it doesn't matter. This team's nine and one. They're playing great football. Uh, Like I said last week, we can't just you know get all down about that loss to Iowa. It was tough because it was a blowout. I understand that that blowout. That's that really what stung me. It's not the loss. Uh, the loss stings, but to lose that way is what was so upsetting. But you know what? They they just they you know they still control their own destiny in the Big Ten, roughly. Uh, just at least to get a share of the title at, at the least. The big game to look forward to. To I mean, just kind of marking your calendar. Iowa against Ohio State, uh, November twentieth. I believe we were talking. That's the game to watch. That game it has huge implications uh, right now for this football team. You basically want Iowa to win. Honestly, uh, Iowa needs to win because we don't play Ohio State. And so there's no tiebreaker there. But here's some good predictions. Uh, Actually, I was reading online that we have four prognosticators. That's a fun word to say. Uh, They all picked Michigan State to represent the Big Ten in the Rose Bowl. So uh, you got Mark Schlubach, who some he always loves to pick against us in his upset special of the week. I always watch on ESPN.com uh, recently, but he predicts that we'll play actually Boise State in Pasadena. And uh, even though that the Broncos, they're saying even though they're not in the Pac-10, but if a Pac-10 school makes it to the BCS championship game, then a Rose Bowl invitation could be extended to a non-conference school like Boise State. You also have Andrea Edelson picking us. They think we're going to play uh, Stanford in the Rose Bowl. And uh, also Fox College Football News has the Spartans playing Oregon in the Rose Bowl, which I really would not like to see. Uh, I don't want to play Oregon. I think we'd be embarrassed if uh, you know if Oregon loses. Though they're most like if they lose one game, they're definitely going to go to the Rose Bowl and maybe even a, a bigger at bowl uh, at bid bowl. So we'll see. Um, you know, like I said, I mean nothing too exciting this weekend for uh, the Spartans. It was you know it was a it was a nor- You knew how this game was going to turn out. And it turned out like it should. Spartans played a pretty decent game against a very crappy team. And, uh, you know, now they get just relaxed. They need to rest. And that's about all I can say about that. They need so much rest. Uh, you know, you still, Purdue, you can't look past Purdue. Uh, even though Purdue is pretty bad as well, I, you still can't forget about this team. Uh, Purdue is 4-5, and 2-3 uh, and three in the conference. And, you know, uh, Wisconsin just beat them up pretty good. I think he's been like 34-13. to 13. This weekend, Purdue's not that good of a team, but you need to just keep up. You know, you just need to keep with you know running with a full head of steam. Penn State's not going to be an easy game at the end of the season, and uh, you know, just, if this team could go eleven and one, doesn't matter if you make the Rose Bowl or not. What a season! What an absolute season! So you were at the game, Megan. Yes. Uh, what did you see that you liked the most? From this team, because you got you know you had a much better perspective than me, and like I said, I only got to watch. I only watched some of this game because actually I knew it wasn't going to be too exciting. 
Right. Um, like you said, the rushing, definitely a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, something we lacked last weekend and our against Iowa, so I guess two weekends yes. ago now. Um, something we definitely lacked and to see it come back into play because we we're, we're known as such a rushing team. We're known as such a driving team. And to see that come back, obviously, was it was good for them. It was good for us. And the fact that the passing wasn't really necessary. Yeah. Um, our defense, I mean, I'm surprised we even gave up eight points. I know, I, right? <laughs> I mean, our defense is great, um, but they were back. They were, and it was it was good to see that. Just little things, you know, that MSU was lacking against Iowa. Finally, finally came back and kind of showed up. Like, yeah, obviously Minnesota is kind of a crappy team, but yeah. um, for for them to give get that kind of motivation, I guess, to be like, all right, we're going to work on some things. Let's get this done, and for them to bring back what they're good at and what they're known for is what they really needed to go into uh, playing Purdue, not this weekend, but next weekend, and then yep. playing Penn State in the end. No, I definitely agree. Uh, you know, in a game like this, I always kind of see it as almost a practice game. When you play such a poor team, especially then you're at home, uh, you know, you just you work on what's what's been not been working for you. You try some new things out, maybe, and, you know, just, you know, some practice. That's the way I see it. Uh, you know, you don't want to play any differently just because, you know, you don't want to, comp- you don't want to, you know, not think about your opponent. doesn't matter who the opponent is. You have to give them respect and credit because, you know, teams with terrible records have great games mm-hmm. that, you know, you just never expected coming. And so you can never look past the team. And, you know, they did it. They played good football. And, you know, just happy to see them, you know, not get too, they weren't, they didn't barely win this game. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted to see. I wanted to see them be able to put some points up and just basically show, you know, have our defense defense do what they did, you know, really lock down uh, Minnesota in general. I mean, they only had 167 passing yards. We held them to only 76 rushing yards, which is fantastic. Uh, we almost eclipsed 200. Uh, 189 rushing yards, not too bad. Uh, not too bad at all. Uh, that's that's a very good stat, and it's just nice to see the Spartans get back to form. Yep. They need they need this bye week. They do. We've we've probably stressed that way too much now, but I'm it's just, so true. And they they do. I mean, we're the only us in Minnesota. We're the only two teams. There was no hope for Minnesota in the first place. But uh, <laughs> it's fair. They've just worked so hard. You know, it was a heartbreaker against Iowa, but they really have worked hard enough that they deserve this to kind of take it off and work on what they need to do to uh, finish out the season. Yeah, you definitely. Know, winning. I mean, because like they were even saying, I mean, it's not even just playing 10 weeks straight. You had, you know, D'Antonio's mild heart attack. You had Rucker's suspension and reinstatement and that whole hoopla. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of stuff has gone on in the last 10 weeks. And yeah, like you said, just time to sit back and relax for once. Okay, maybe now they can sit down on their couches on Saturday and watch some football and just take it easy. Uh, you know, get their minds. You know, it, the season happened so fast. It feels like it was just like, you know, the, what, last week of August and this season started. I mean, I can't believe we're already 10 weeks into the season. Uh, it's almost over. I'm getting sad. College football, I mean. It went so fast. Really fast. <laughs> I mean, especially when you're having a great season. Right, yeah, it just exactly. flies it by does. week we to get, week. It's just boom, boom, boom. And we get so excited. Yeah, you're excited for every game, and I tell you, I mean, now I'm this time flies. Uh, these weeks go by like it's just. They I do. mean, it, this is not like high school or junior high where I feel like a week drug on for like two weeks at least. <laughs> uh, life just, you know, it's a blur. I feel like every Monday we're like we're back here, just like that snap of a finger. Right. But you know, let's uh, let's move past the Spartans. Uh, like I said, not too much more you can really say about them. Good win, uh, good win for you guys out there, and uh, get healthy. Uh, like I, I really hope those injuries aren't too serious with Denard, and you know, just with everyone else. But yeah, actually, I can't. I, I have to let our listeners know. Uh, sorry, the BCS standings came out, and Michigan State is eleventh now. So basically, you got Ohio State sitting at nine, Wisconsin is at seven. 
All right. You got Oregon sitting on top of the standings at one. Auburn, two. TCU, three. TCU jumped Boise State because they put a spanking on Utah. Uh, Utah lost by like 40 points. Uh, Utah was ranked fifth in the country this weekend, and they were at home, and they looked like a joke. TCU made them look bad. But, you know, the computer rankings, you know, they still like us. Uh, the computers, are, you know, are quite fond of the Spartans still to a degree, and they just got to keep winning. But, yeah, it's for everyone out there. We are 11th in the BCS, and I believe we are 10th in the coaches poll and 10th yep. in the uh, Associated Press poll. Yep. So, but the BCS is your important one to pay attention to. But, I mean, it's going to be a good finish. You got Auburn still uh, a couple tough games to play. They have to play Alabama. Oregon, I don't think, or I mean, they have to play Cal. I don't think they, ha- I don't really think they have any other tough games. Oregon, I, I mean, I think they should run the table here, most likely. But hopefully Auburn goes down. Uh, if not, you're probably going to get like an Oregon, Auburn, Oregon, TCU kind of uh, championship game. Uh, if, you know, Oregon or Auburn don't lose, then they, TCU or Boise State will definitely not get it. If one of them does lose, then yes, I think they should be up there. I don't care what conference they're in. Just because they're in the WAC, does, that does not make it. I mean, they should be there. They've won games, and they beat the number 5 team by 40 points on the road when they never won out in Utah before. They were 0-6 to that point. So we will move past college football, though. Uh, like I said, season's just flown by. It's been exciting. It's been fantastic to watch, especially with how well the Spartans have played. But let's talk about something that really irritates me. It's called the Detroit Lions. <laughs> we're going to talk about them right now. The Detroit Lions played this Sunday at Ford Field. They played a good game. They played a, one of the best games I'd seen them play in a long time. Uh, they almost played an entire game well. <laughs> but they lost. 23-20 to was your final score in overtime. The Lions had this game, and they gave it away yet again. This could have been one of the biggest wins for this franchise. I mean, I, if they would have won this game, I could not have remembered a bigger win against a solid team. The Jets are probably one of the five best teams in the league. 5-2 and two coming in. The only games they had lost, they lost a one-point game to Baltimore to start the season off, and they'd lost 9 nothing the previous week to Green Bay. We looked solid. We looked solid all around. Didn't turn the ball over. No turnovers. Penalties, though. Penalties, penalties, penalties. I, I look at this stat line. 11 penalties for 102 yards. Okay, I know the Jets had 99 uh, penalty yards, 11 penalties as well. I mean, this was a very sloppy game on that end of the ball. There were so many flags, so many penalties, and not a lot of bad calls. There were a couple questionable chop block calls that were called on the Lions. But... Really, most of the penalties, you know, the Lions just, you know, they don't have their head on straight. They just, they don't know how to win. And what I mean by that is that when you're playing a good team, good teams, great teams, they find ways to win. They find ways, even when they're down and they're barely almost out of it, they find ways to pull it out. That's what the Jets did. I mean, the the Lions, it's inexcusable to blow a 10-point lead with four minutes left in the NFL. Especially when this team has had to burn their first two timeouts very early in the second half. They, you know, they, they were all dysfunctional. Too many men on the field. Rex Ryan's calling timeout, timeout. All right, well, listen, we have them right where we want them. I know Stafford went out. And now after Stafford went out, guess what? We didn't have one more first down the rest of the game. All this team needed was one first down. That's it. Third and six. It, you, you can't even get it. 
Now, did you? I'm sorry, I'm just uh, <laughs> I'm in my own world for a second. Now, did you? I assume you watched uh, most of this game. You were saying? Yeah, I watched about up till the eight minute mark in the fourth quarter. So I actually didn't get to watch them lose. I got no. to watch the good parts. So you went to bed thinking, ah, nice win for the Lions. <laughs> and who would have thought if I? Yeah, I mean, I would have if I just would have turned away or went out. I would have thought they for sure had this win. Right. Uh, I definitely would have thought that. And watching this game made me want to pull my hair out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just made me want to scream. I, I'd rather have this team get beat hand. I've said this before. A game like this is so demoralizing to lose. It's just, it, it, I mean, you looked at the Lions. I mean, they, they, these guys sitting at midfield after the game's over, they don't know what happened. They are shocked at how they lost this game. And I'll tell you, part of it, bad coaching. Jim Schwartz, I'm sorry. I mean, this guy, I don't know what you're doing on third and six to call a play like that. All you do, you run the ball, okay? doesn't matter if you get the first down or not. It's great to get it. But even if you don't, 40 seconds are going to tick off that clock. And instead of there being a minute 54 and the Jets get the ball, they'll be like a minute 14, maybe a minute 10. And that's a world of difference in the NFL. And you know what? The Jets took care of it. The Lions were playing back on their heels. They looked timid. They looked afraid to lose. They wanted that clock to just tick down. They just kept waiting and waiting and waiting instead of taking that game into their hands and stomping on the throats. That's what winners do. That's what great teams do. Teams like the Lions find ways to lose. Teams like the Lions, they just don't have a winning mentality. There hasn't been that kind of mentality in this city for football in forever. Okay, those days of Barry Sanders, they're gone. Absolutely gone. This team just doesn't know how to win. I know we have a lot of young guys. Matt Stafford's young, Brandon Pettigrew, Javid Best. Uh, there's a lot of young players. And Dama Sue. And, you know, Sue's playing fantastic. I just think the maturity level of this team is not there. And that's why you see them losing their head. That stupid 15-yard personal foul penalty on Julian Peterson to just give them basically a field goal. I mean, what are you doing there? I just I can't understand how you can lose your head in this biggest moments of these games. They played, honestly, they probably played 55 minutes of solid football. And then five minutes burned them. And then, you know, the stupid overtime, you know, they lose a coin toss. They give up a huge play because they miss, they miss a tackle. The safety blows the tackle, and you got San Antonio Holmes running down. You know, well, it's a 50-some yard play. Running all the way down there, and I'm just sitting there burying my head in my hands thinking, you have to be kidding me. Right now, Stafford played a pretty darn good game. The guy was 20 for 36, 240 yards, two picks. I mean, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, played a great game. He really did. Too bad he went out. And honestly, kind of scares me. Um, I don't know if you saw. Did you see this hit, Megan? Because uh, uh, he got tackled by uh, his ankles, basically. Oh, oh no, you probably didn't because there was like five and a half minutes oh, left. Well, I just. The thing I think about this game, I've been. Thinking about it while you've been ranting. Yeah. Um, They had such great plays and they just didn't pull it through. Like I was telling you earlier, my favorite play, uh, Javid Best and Stafford, he did the fake handoff uh, after the penalty during the field goal, roughing the kicker. And he had me sold even. I'm sitting here. I mean, we have an aerial (laughs) view and we can see what's going on. And he had me sold that they were going for the dive. And just runs in, no one on him for the for the for the touchdown. I mean, I've never seen Detroit try and score so many touchdowns or even get so close. No, I mean they played well. Uh, you know they scored. Uh, you know that uh, first uh, that opening what was it, the opening drive they scored on because mm-hmm. uh, I missed like the first two minutes of the game. It's pretty much all I missed was the exact start of it. The thing that matters the most is you have to pull it through though. Yeah, it's you can't you can't rely so much on the beginning of the game. Be like, oh, we did our part. All right, we're done. Yeah, I mean, you need to play 60 minutes. You need to play four quarters. The Jets aren't 5-2 and two by luck. They are a good team. 
They are a darn good team. And when you give good teams a chance to come back, I can't believe they pulled this out. I, I mean, that they just they screwed this up. I can't understand it. It, it, it really upsets me. Uh, I got to be careful. I feel like I'm going to swear on the, on the radio right now. But um, it just it really angers me. Uh, I've been watching football for a long time. And, uh, you know, this could have been one of the biggest wins for the Lions. This could have propelled this team. I mean, if you look at the next two weeks, they have at Buff, Buffalo and at Dallas. Those are two very winnable games. I mean, this team could have been sitting on a four-game win streak potentially, you know, after two weeks from now. Yet And now... I don't know. How, how are they going to handle on the road, though, too? Yeah, they haven't won a road game since October right. 28th of 2007. So even though you're playing a team like the Bills that are 0-8, and, and you're playing a team like Dallas that's 1-7, you're on the road, and I don't even know anymore with you. The fact that they found a way to lose this game, just I'll throw all, you know, all logic out the window when watching this team anymore. Uh, 11 penalties for 102 yards. That's Jim Schwartz's fault. These guys are not ready. Okay, you can't make that many mental errors, huge chop blocks, personal fouls, false starts, uh, just doing everything wrong possible, honestly. It's just their head, their head must not have been in the game. Like, it looked like it was, but at the same time, it looked like it wasn't. We thought, I mean, I don't know how many people were excited about, you know, they're doing so well, they're doing so well, the Jets are so good, like all this. But it seemed as if they were pulling off the plays, but at the same time, retracting all the good things they were doing by basically just canceling it out with their penalty. Yards. Yeah, no, I mean, their penalties are exactly, I mean, that's really what shot him in the foot. I mean, I mean, 102 yards, it's a touchdown over a touchdown in itself. No, exactly. 102 <laughs> yards. I mean, and you didn't turn the ball over. They took care of the football. And that's important. And I really like that. I mean, nice to see them not turn the football over. But when you have 102 yards in penalties, like you just said, you're negating all the positives you've been doing all game. And, you know, it showed at the end. It completely showed. They screwed up. And uh, we're going to take a quick call, though, and uh, see what some of the listeners think. Hey, you're on the Spartan Sports Rep. Yeah, I'm calling in on this uh, Detroit Lions. All right. Is this John? Yes, it is. How's it going, John? Good. How you doing? Not too bad. So what do you have to say about the Lions? Well, it was was one of the worst heartbreaks I've had in a long time. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, you know... I've been around for a while, and I, they've got the pieces there to be a good team. But, you know, I'm not going to blame the players anymore. Yeah. I'm going to start blaming the coaches because from what I've seen, these players, they need guidance. And for some reason, I didn't see that they had the guidance when it came to the crucial moments. Of, yes. You know, going down the field, what do you do? I mean, they were just running over us like they knew everything, what they had to do, and we didn't know what we had to do, and we and we lost it. I know. I, uh, now, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, you've been watching the Lions for, what, 50 years or so, roughly? Yeah. And uh, basically, could you can you remember a more demoralizing loss than, that, than you saw this? I, I, can you really remember one? Because I know I can't. I can't, and you know what? I, I'm really excited, and I know that a lot, a lot of Lions sports fans out there, they're also excited because they also see something. They, they see a team that has got talent. And yes, they, they do have talent. They do have talent, but they don't have the right coaching to get these players 
ready for when it comes down to a two-minute warning or when it comes down to something that they're maybe not familiar with. And I didn't, towards the end of that game, I mean, these guys were standing around. Our defensive line was just standing there. Like, what do we do next? I mean, yeah. there, were, there was no guidance there. So, well, let me ask you this. I mean, now looking forward to the rest of, now, the, rest of the season coming up, uh, let's just look at the next three games, like I said, at Buffalo, at Dallas, and then you have the Patriots for your Thanksgiving Day game. What are you seeing for the Lions in the next three weeks? Do you see they bounce back and finally you win some road games? Like, they haven't you know, done this in three years. Can they do this? I mean, this, this loss is so big that, uh, and, and Buffalo is not a bad team. I mean, they are, they're a pretty good team, even though their record doesn't show it. But they're a good team. I, I really don't see them even beating Buffalo after this loss. Uh-huh. I mean, it's a tough one. I, like I said, I, I don't even know. I picked them to beat Buffalo in the preseason, and Buffalo is the only winless team in the league still. But the last three weeks, they've lost the, all three games by three points, and two of those games went into overtime uh, against some decent teams, against the Ravens. Uh, you know, they're not playing terrible football. Even though like, I agree with what you said, the record really doesn't show. Are they really that bad? No, not. I mean, are they any worse than the Lions? Honestly? Probably not. You know, you know, and then it comes down to the coaching. I mean, our coaching staff, for some reason, I don't think they really have these players ready to actually put the kill and, and win the game. It's like they're going through the motions, and like you said, they're just hoping for the clock to run out. You can't do that. You have to go for the kill, the kill instinct, okay? And they weren't doing that, and... I don't know. Well, I mean, I definitely agree, John. Um, I'm going to have to uh, let you go here because we uh, we got a little bit more to talk about. But really appreciate the call. And, uh, you know, I agree. The Lions, again, find a way to disappoint Michigan. Uh, What's new? But uh, thanks a lot for the call, John. All righty. All right, bye. All right, bye-bye. Yeah, and I agree with that. It's, you know, coaching, and that's the thing. Jim Schwartz, I mean, you know, you, you gave him a lot of time. I mean, he came home, he took over a team that was 0-16. Uh, team was terrible. And, you know, you give him some time to figure some stuff out, but I, I can't I can't accept that play call on third and six there. Whether you, I mean, I don't know what you're trying. Drew Stan, that's the first pass of the game. He hasn't even been in the game, and you're trying to pull some little trickery here. To, you know, come on, what are you doing? Run the football. That's just football 101. The team doesn't have any timeouts. You keep that clock moving no matter what. It doesn't matter, okay? You tried some, and that play didn't even work. The play was terrible. It was an awful play. The line broke down in a second. You know, Stan could have even taken a sack, and that would have been smarter than just throw the ball down. But it's just, it irritates me so much that this team can do this. And I mean, I was all jazzed up most of that day on Sunday. For a while, and not anymore. And now you got Stafford, kids of porcelain doll. Feels like uh, he might be hurt again. I mean, he is hurt. We don't know how bad he's hurt. Uh, right now, Matt Stafford he had an MRI exam. I was an injured right shoulder today. But uh, I guess the Lions coach Jim Schwartz is saying surgery is not an option at this point, quote unquote. So who knows? It could be still. Uh, you know, basically, this guy's shoulders are—they're made of jello. And uh, this is his third shoulder injury. I know he just re-aggravated this uh, one that he got earlier in the season, but um, w- it wasn't I, even a tough tackle. I, I mean, uh. I want to I want to interject with this whole coaching thing. Um, I agree with you to a certain extent. Okay. Because with this whole coaching thing, yeah, coaches we've talked about coaches and owners and everything. They make the team. They make what the team what they it put is. Put it together. Yeah. Exactly. But 
they don't go out there and play the game. That's true. They don't. You can't put all the blame. Obviously, yeah, you can with the with the play calls and everything because the players don't call the plays. The yeah. coaches call the plays, but they don't go out there by like themselves and throw the football. They're not the quarterback. They're not the running back. They're no, not definitely. That. They and, can only prepare their players. Right. And, it's, and I just think with younger players, yeah, they need to prepare it's, more. It's up. It's up to the players to execute the play the way it players should do be need done. To execute. And so I mean, sure it can be the coach's fault, but it's also the team's fault. Yeah. I mean, it's not yeah, it's not just the coach's fault. I'm actually just putting this on Jim Schwartz or Gunther Cunningham or Scott Linehan, you know, our two coordinators. Uh it's a team loss. Uh you know, it's a team winner, it's a team loss. It's not a one person game. Right. Uh they lost it as a team. They all lost it together. It wasn't just one penalty. It wasn't just one bad call on third down. I mean, those those had big implications. Uh, don't get me wrong for the game, but that wasn't the game. They lost this game as a team, and uh, it's just disappointing. It's even more disappointing, honestly, to see Stafford go out. Uh, you could just really feel it in this stadium when you were. I mean, I wasn't there, but just watching the uneasiness. I've seen Stafford just get up and get right off the field because he's just grabbing his shoulder again. That just doesn't look good. You know, if this guy's going to be out for another two to three weeks, I mean, come on. Uh, you know, right now, i got to tell you, Stafford, he said on uh, Mitch Album's radio show this evening uh, about playing this weekend, he says, I don't think so. Uh, so he doesn't look like he doesn't think he's going to be playing for the Bills. Uh, Sean Hill, our number two quarterback, he has a fractured left forearm, so he's not going to be playing. So for all of our Spartan fans, Drew Stanton will be leading the Detroit Lions most likely. <laughs> on, uh, on Sunday, my, my friend gave uh, Matt Stafford a f- pretty pretty funny uh, nickname. They're really, call- they're calling him Matty Ice right now. Matty Ice, because he's always <laughs> ice in his shoulder. So I thought it was kind of that's a pretty good one, kind of cute. <laughs> I like it. That's not bad at all. Um, to another note on this game, actually, um, basically uh, one of the Jets linebackers, uh, Bart Scott, who actually is a Detroit native. He called the Lions, quote, by far the dirtiest football team I have ever played against since I played the Tennessee Titans. And I swear to God, I hope I see them again in life. Uh, strong words uh, out of Bart Scott. Uh, basically, what he was talking about are those uh, three chop blocks. But like I said, two of them did look questionable when we saw him again. The personal foul on J- Julian Peterson, the one we have spoken about, uh, on LaDainian Thomason when he knocks him out of bounds. I mean, it wasn't that. Come on, this is football. And um, I'm going to agree with Dominic Riola here completely on this. And he says, quote, he needs to shut up and play football. Him and Jason Taylor talk too much. I mean, they are just complaining to the refs all game. Just play football. We were, pl- we were playing whistle to whistle. It wasn't that we were playing dirty. I mean, a cup block in football, that's football. When you get cut, you get cut. So my response, my response to that is shut up and play football. And I have to completely agree with Riola here. Um, it's football. Um, I, I didn't see any like blatantly dirty plays that whole game. Um, yeah, one of the chop blocks was bad. That's that, exactly it's football. What do you expect this game to be? I mean, I don't think guys were doing the dirtiest things. I mean, there weren't like any just egregious hits out of bounds once a guy was out of bounds. A lot of these personal fouls were just for kind of semi late, you know, just not thinking, but they weren't dirty. Um, I mean, you saw most of the game. Would you say, I mean, I didn't really see anything that was too dirty. No, the only thing you said was that, that chop block. I I heard them saying that some of the calls were actually kind of iffy. Yeah. Um, the roughing was pretty not very good, and that's been happening lately. I mean, even the Spartans game, they've been, I don't even know how many times I heard the, yeah. the, or the 
the play is under review, and uh-huh. I was about ready to be like, are you serious? Yeah, like, the refs talk- didn't do a great job. We, we talked about that last time, but no, I mean, they were starting to hit hard, but as you were saying, that's that's football. It happens. You're wearing pads for a Come reason. Come on, it's, it's a very emotional <laughs> game. Uh, you know, both teams obviously really wanted that. Just don't want to lose. Line, no, nobody wants to lose. Um, you know, it was a big game. There's just, like I said, a lot of emotion out there on the field. Right. And yeah, you know, like that leads to mental mistakes at times. And that's what happened. But yeah, you can, uh, you know, just shove it, Bart Scott, because, I mean, come on. You're a football player, man. You're a linebacker, for God's sakes. Deal with it. And he's saying that? Yeah. All right. <laughs> but we are going to take a quick break here. Uh, when we get back, we will definitely be talking just a little bit about the Pistons. Finally got their first two wins of the season this weekend. Uh, talk a little Tigers. And we're going to talk about the highest scoring game in college football history. All right. This is Spartan Sports Rep. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here at 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. And we're going to talk a little Pistons. Uh, The Detroit Pistons started off 0-5. Absolute (laughs) dreadful start to the year. But they have picked up two wins. They played the Charlotte Bobcats. On Friday, they beat them. Uh, they held on the win. Uh, you know, they were down in that game. Uh, you know, I thought they were going to blow it. They were actually up at one point in that game by 20 points. And this game got to become a one-point game in the third quarter. And I thought we were just seeing the same thing again like we saw in the Chicago game. Uh, basically, the same thing that we saw in the Nets game. Just blown leads. Uh, just basically not playing a quarter of basketball. <coughs> excuse me. Of uh, basketball at all. But, you know, they won. They played on Sunday. They played the Golden State Warriors. And they won that one, too. They held on. And finally, I'd say the, the biggest thing that we saw, Rip Hamilton looked phenomenal. Uh, Rip Hamilton got back. He shot 50. Because um, before this, um, he was only shooting 37%. He was 15 for 41 from the field. And that's tough. But uh, basically, he got picked it up. He had uh, 27 points, 10 for 17 shooting. Uh, did a great job. He did a really good job. And I'm um, just happy to see this team finally get a couple wins. <laughs> Um, I, I don't have you have you really watched any of the games yet? I mean, once I heard they're own five, it kind of turned, kinda turned me off to that. You? I was yeah. like, yeah, um, no, I'll just do something else. <laughs> <laughs> Can't waste my time with these guys, right? But I mean, there's a lot of season left, uh, a lot of basketball to be played, and like I was saying before, what really always upset me about the Pistons was, you know, even like with the Lions, like it's the way you lose. Uh, you know, like especially when you see yeah, a team with talent, Detroit, they didn't get blown out other than against the Celtics. 
Uh, they played the Celtics last Wednesday and they got spanked around. But other than that, they played good basketball in all their losses. They just blew leads and just honestly very similar to the Lions, just not playing, you know, those final, you know, five minutes of the game well or just not playing a quarter, just not showing up for a quarter. It's tough. You score 32 points or 34 points in the first quarter and then you're barely putting up like 15 in the third. That's just terrible. Uh, I like a little more balance there. But uh, not to get too down on the Pistons, they're two and five. You know, two and five. Uh, our division, not that divisions really matter in basketball, but at the same time, you know, it's not looking too solid. It's not that great. So this team still got a chance. They're going on a West Coast road trip here. Uh, we're playing Portland on Tuesday, Clippers on Friday, Sacramento on Sunday, and then the Warriors again on Monday. So they will be out on the West Coast for eight days, and those are never easy road trips. Uh, especially Portland's a solid team. The Clippers, you know, they're not bad. Blake Griffin's back. He's playing well. Uh, I always like they have Eric Gordon out there in L.A. along with Baron Davis. They're a pretty decent team. Uh, Sacramento with Tyreek Evans, also a decent team. I just You can't look past any of these teams now, especially when Detroit's 2-5. and five. They, need to, they need to figure their stuff out. Yes, they have two wins against not too great of opponents. Uh, you know, again, show me, beat a good team. Beat a good team, and then I'll be more impressed. Mm-hmm. I am happy you're 2-5. and five. Not happy that the two and five. five I'm happy they have two, <laughs> two wins. wins Excuse right? me, two. Yes, and, I love two and five records. <laughs> They're great, but um, you know, still a lot of season left. Uh, right. You know, I just basketball is my favorite sport. Pistons have always been my favorite team, so I just have a special spot in my heart for this team, and I just want to see them succeed. And right. you know, we were spoiled. We were spoiled for many, many years with uh, you know, just a. Always the Pistons making it to the playoffs, making deep runs in the playoffs. I mean, six straight Eastern Conference Finals. Yep. That's nothing to sneeze at. That's absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, they're rebuilding. Right. They're, they're rebuilding, and I, you know, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, not too much longer, though. This is their last year, the benefit of the doubt. Uh, <laughs> enough chances. <laughs> enough chances. That's three straight seasons of being below 500 because... Sorry for you Piston fans. I doubt they're going to be over 500 this year. I'm having a hard time seeing this team make it to 41 and 41. Right. They could. If everything goes well, if everything goes really well, they could. Uh, but I really have them winning probably around like 34, 35 games, 36 games. Uh, like seven more than last year. <laughs> nothing, too, nothing too fantastic. But, you know, this team needs to get sold. We talked about it last week. Yep. Um, Illich needs to sign on the dotted line. Line. I don't know why this is taking so long. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I had never. I had no new stories. Nothing. It's like all just hush hush. You know, we we read this. I I, I think we did this story. It was like a month ago. I think it was over. A it month might have ago. been. It probably was over. I want to say ago. it was September. A I long time. I ago. do. I do want to say it's September. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this for a decent while. Right. And, uh, you know, it just still hasn't get done. This team, like I said, the team needs to get sold. We need to get the owner in there that we want, which is Illich, I believe. I think he would be a fantastic owner. Uh, he loves this city, loves this state. Uh, so I think he would be a great owner. And Joe Dumars has to make some moves. Uh, he basically has to make some moves. Uh, you know, you have to trade Tayshon or Rip or both. Um, it's going to be real tough to trade Rip Hamilton. He has two years left on his contract. About $24 million. I really doubt somebody's going to want to pick up that kind of contract. But with Tayshon, seeing as last year it's an expiring contract. Last year, 11 mil. Um, I love Tayshon. Uh, I've actually I met him. I used to work at a, a movie theater back home, and he showed up after they beat the Magic in 2003. Uh, he was going to see X Men 2. Got his autograph. Really tall guy. Uh, <laughs> He's just absolutely gigantically tall. I've, I've met him too, actually. That's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I yeah. met him and one other player. 
Yeah, he's pretty cool. I I met Joe Dumars uh, before. Uh, But that's about it. I haven't met any other Pistons. But, yeah. I I I, I met Jason Maxiel. Where? Uh, He was a rookie at the time. Oh, okay. I did a meet and greet after one of the games, which was pretty cool. I met Tayshawn and Jason Maxiel. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, no, that's great. I mean, actually better than what I did. I mean, I just sold this guy a popcorn and, like, an Icy. Uh, I got so, pictures of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I got an autograph on, like, some credit card paper. I just, like, <laughs> I just anything as fast as I could. Um, you know, and he still, he left the movie early, and he still got swarmed by people. I mean, he had his Maserati parked, like, right out front. While you drive a Maserati. Yeah. That's how you stay in stealth mode right there. That's exactly it. <laughs> his car was, like, parked. It wasn't even in the parking lot. It was, like, up by the doors. Oh. Like, you know, like, you can park there. Uh, it's, I guess Tayshaun can park there. No, Tayshaun can do whatever he wants. That's fine. I mean, it was after a nice big win. Uh, you know, had his big blo- uh, big bodyguard with him. Uh, it's just a fun little story. I, I just had to tell it. I, I, I love meeting athletes because when it just happens completely randomly. I mean, I'm a concessionist, so there were a ton of registers. Came up to mine. Pretty fun, especially I was like 16 at the time. So, I mean, you can imagine how giddy I was uh, <laughs> with that. But, you know, like I, back, to, back to reality, back to the seriousness. <laughs> Uh, of the show, right. like I said, Joe Dumars needs to make moves. Um, I, I guess uh, we had we have showed interest in Josh Smith from Atlanta and also Chris Kamen out in the Clippers, and we need a big man. Uh, it's very simple. Uh, we have no size in the front court. This team, you know, they're having trouble rebounding, and you know, it's just it's tough to match up against you know big power forwards and centers. Um, I love Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace always has my heart, but you know, when Ben Wallace is your starting center. The guy was like 36. He's and getting he's old. Six, he's like 36. The guy, he's only 6'8". I tell you, yeah, they might list him at 6'10". Ben Wallace is not 6'10". Okay, he's like 6'8". And, you know, the knees, they start to go on you. Uh, it's tough. You know, that's why, you know, guys like Shaq, centers, it's a tough position. And, you know, Ben Wallace, yeah, I mean, he always plays with a lot of fury, a lot of vigor. Uh, you know, always a spark for this team. But he can't be your starter, in my opinion. Not in the center spot. We haven't had a true center since Bill Lambeer back in the, uh, you know, late 80s and 90s. So this team, like I said, yeah, I'm just waiting for Dumars to put some feelers out there and see if you know we get any reaction because we need to move somebody. You need to make trades. This team's not going to get better with the logjam that they have at the shooting guard position and the uh, point guard position. I, I feel like this is the year to figure it out. Yes. To kind of test things, see how they work out, and see if maybe it'll work out next year. If not perfectly this year, it'll work out next year. Yeah. And good. that's you need to have one of those seasons every once in a while when you're kind of switching people around and getting new people and losing other people and no definitely and i mean you know this is the nba 16 teams make the playoffs that's more than half it's not tough uh it's not the toughest thing in the world i mean if you look at the chicago bulls they made the playoffs last year at 41 and 41 uh two years ago we made the playoffs at 39 and 43 you don't have to be a fantastic team to just get a chance to get in and then you know then it's just and it's a whole new season you forget the regular season and it's just the playoffs right and, you know, Detroit, you know, like I said, it's their rebuilding. I'm going to give them some time. I'll understand. Not more than, you know, this is their year to figure out. Like you said, this is time for Joe Dumars to make moves and to really put this team together. They just don't seem like they have a lot of chemistry right now. And a lot of these guys keep bouncing around to different positions. Uh, you know, you don't just have a core. We used to have that solid five of Chauncey and Rip and Tayshawn and Ben and, you know, Rashid. It was just known. And, you know, that's why this team played so well because they played so well together. And I think that's what we need to see more of. I, you know, I want Ben Gordon to be at the shooting guard and to stay at the shooting guard. Uh, Stucky, uh, I've talked to people, and uh, yeah, Stucky might be well suited, more better suited for the shooting guard position rather than the point guard. But listen, we traded Chauncey Billups 
away because Joe Dumars believed Rodney Stuckey was ready to take on that role, point guard leader, and he's got to live up to that. Uh, Stuckey's got to do that because, you know what, it would have been actually a lot nicer if we would have got rid of Rip two years ago and actually kept Chauncey. I would have preferred that. And it didn't happen. Uh, Joe Dumars, I uh, always thought you were a great GM. You're starting, you know, getting off the nice kind of. Uh, you know, I, I forgave you somehow for that Darko Milicic, Milicic pick. pick. Uh, it was horrible. Uh, we had a number two pick and we draft Darko. You could have had Carmelo Anthony. could have had Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade. Just a few names uh, to mention, but we took Darko. And, uh, you know, I'll let it go. Let it go for now, man, but you better make some moves. It's time to move. Time to get stuff done. Uh, I want to bring up something. We're going back to state right now because Do obviously it. there is a game going on. How is that game going? It was pretty close. I've been I have the play by play up right now, uh-huh. and I've been kind of paying attention to it as you were talking. Um, yes, <laughs> multitasking. And uh, Michigan State. It was close for a while, but Michigan State. There's 3:21 left. They're at a timeout right now. 3:20 left in the first half, and uh, they're up 35 to 24 against okay. Nebraska Omaha. So I mean, I've been watching them. It was close, and then they're starting to pull ahead so now. They're you starting know? to pull yep, away a little bit by now. 11 so I don't see this game going bad, but no, I'm I'm doubting that. Yeah, so but that's my that's my update. No, that's great. <laughs> it's a it's a good update. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Uh, basically, yeah, we have this game, and then uh, against we play Eastern Michigan on the 12th of November, Friday, here in East Lansing mm-hmm. as well, and we play South Carolina on the 16th, which is what next uh, Tuesday. Tuesday, yep. So uh, both of those games, uh, the game uh, against Eastern on Friday is at 8:30. The game on Tuesday against South Carolina next week is at 10 p.m. And after that, they go to Hawaii. They will be out in Hawaii for, you know, some little tournament. And uh, that should be exciting. Uh, They get to go to Hawaii. I mean, they're, what are they? They're ranked first in the Big Ten. I don't see them doing horrible. Oh, no, definitely not. I mean, I see they have to play Chaminade here on the 22nd of November out there in Hawaii. And then it looks like they get either Connecticut or Wichita State. Um, I'm having a little trouble reading this exactly. Like, why are there all these teams like Kentucky slash Oklahoma slash Virginia slash Washington? I mean, what does that mean? What, we're like not, a are we playing all of them? Or are we just? Play, I don't know. But these are the teams that are there. They're just going to be. They're basically going to be there for the weekend. They're going to be there uh, right before Thanksgiving uh, gets going, and then they come back home. And then you play Tennessee Tech November 28th, and in East Lansing, 1 p.m. game. So yeah, the season's going. Let's see what. Okay, we start Big Ten play on. December 31st. So that is when stuff gets real. Uh, we have a tough game, though. Uh, Texas, seems like we always play Texas around that third week of the December. Uh, December 22nd, we will be facing Texas. And, uh, yeah, December 11th, Oakland. You get to spank Oakland around, the Grizzlies. <laughs> I, like, I got too many friends that go there. I always like making fun of them. <laughs> I mean, I remember they made the, they made the tournament. Uh, I think this was like four years ago. They made the made the tournament, and they were the 16 seed. They played North Carolina in the first game. I think they lost by like 45 points. It was good. It was funny. Uh, <laughs> I just think it was pretty funny. I mean, yeah. I, I hate North Carolina. I just thought I'd like to rib those guys for that. But let's uh, – basketball. All right, I'm done talking basketball. Uh, <laughs> Not too much to talk about in baseball, but there's some interesting news today with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, David Dombrowski said that uh, they signed Johnny Peralta today to a two-year deal worth uh, $11.25 million. In the third year, there's an option with a buyout attached to the option year. So the option is for $6 million if they want to pick him up in, uh, in his third year. The buyout would be five hundred grand. So we have the shortstop position solidified, and uh, it's great to see. 
Johnny Peralta is a really good player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not he's not a, he's not an amazing player, he's, but I, I think he's he's a pretty good hit and shortstop. Like they're saying, this guy can put up about seventy five to eighty runs a year from that position, and that's good. Uh, you know, he did Peralta did a good job filling in for Inge when Inge was injured, took over third base, and you know, basically. He's told uh, reporters that he's just very happy to get back to his natural position, which is shortstop. Uh, this is where he, you know, he's always played that position primarily, and uh, I like the pickup. I had a feeling we were gonna, you know, they're just working on a new deal, and because uh, I know what was it last week, I saw that they declined his option, but they just wanted to write a new deal. They didn't want to pay him as much as he was being offered, and uh, I think it's good. You know, this team, it's, I mean, it's so early. Geez, baseball. We're not going to see baseball again. I mean, April. Yep. Long time, ladies and gentlemen. So. I mean, it is only November. It's, yeah. And It'll come fast, a though. A lot year. of winter left. This year seems to be going fast, so. Just a lot of winter. This clock's doing a crazy thing in here right now. For all you listeners wow. out there. <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> it's 8, it's 8 <laughs> o'clock and 22 seconds. Time just jumped ahead. It was pretty bizarre for all you listeners. Sorry, you, you couldn't see it here, but... It's just a little crazy. Yeah, that was that was interesting, and it kind of froze. It doesn't yeah, exist anymore. It doesn't even exist. Time has stopped for everyone listening out there. Just <laughs> give up. All right. Uh, okay. So yeah, and that was basically it. I mean, just say a little update. Yeah, we got Johnny Peralta just re-signed him, and uh, should be good for the Tigers. And they just need to basically make it. They, basically, they need to get a big bat, and that's what they've been saying. We need to. They need to pick up a guy like Adam Dunn, uh, just somebody. Can, you know, someone who can just hit the ball consistently and well. They did so well this year before the All Star break. I mean, I and then just all of a sudden it just dropped just off, just completely yeah. fell apart. And I wish they, I wish they could do what I want to see from them next year is to keep that up past All Star break. Yeah, I that's mean, all I want to see from them. I want to see them make the playoffs. I would love to see them in the playoffs. Me too. I'd like to see another World Series appearance. Oh, that'd be fantastic. That would be great, I mean, and yeah. actually win it maybe. Yeah, gosh, uh, the <laughs> Cardinals just they had their way with us in oh uh, six. It was. Uh-huh. But you know that still was a very exciting postseason. I mean, you know we beat uh, you beat the A's, you beat the Yankees in the first series. No one thought we were going to win that series. That was pretty cool. Not to mention you had Maglio's walk off home run to win the pennant. Just exciting. How can you not get excited about that? But listen, I want to talk about something that's pretty funny. It's the highest scoring college football game of all time. And no, for all you Wolverine fans, it wasn't this weekend. Okay, <laughs> you guys did win. It was sixty-seven, sixty-five, pretty high scoring game. Pretty ridiculous game. That game went to triple overtime. I should have. And Illinois should have won. Uh, they blew that game, in my opinion. It bothers me when they say it was such a good game, such a close game. Well, it was sixty-seven to sixty-five. I don't understand why that's a good game. I mean, yeah, you went to triple overtime. That's cool, but obviously your team didn't your play very well. Your defense is just awful. <laughs> Absolutely awful. I mean, I look at. I mean, you look at total yards on both sides of the ball. I mean, Illinois had five hundred and sixty-one yards of total offense. Michigan had six hundred and seventy-six. I mean, this it's a joke. Honestly, I, I didn't watch a lot of this game. I saw some of it, but the fact that this game was 7-6 to six after the first quarter and the fact that it was 31-31 after the second, and then there was only one score in the third quarter, and then they scored like a bazillion points in the fourth quarter <laughs> in an overtime. A bazillion point game. I'd a bazillion like point game. <laughs> but uh, we're going to get to actually the really the highest scoring game in college football history. And that game came in 1916. Mm. The Cumberland Bulldogs... Uh, played against Georgia Tech. This game, now you're, now you're gonna be shocked out there. 222 to zero. Georgia Tech won this game. 222 to zero. Didn't think that was possible. That's a killing. That's not even a blowout. They just fell over and died. 
It's absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at uh, 63 points in the first quarter, 63 in the second quarter, 54 in the third quarter, 42 in the fourth quarter. Uh, basically, so they had 126 points even before halftime. Yeah, 126 <laughs> to nothing at the half, and they didn't let off the gas. Uh, basically, uh, what I was reading here, it says uh, according to the Sports Hall of Shame book series, another reason for uh, John Heisman, who was the head coach of Georgia Tech at the time, his plan to run up the, to run up the score was that collegiate rules at the time ranked teams based on how many points they scored. Uh, Heisman did not consider that statistic a true mark of a team's success, I guess, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, talk about running up the score. Uh, 222. Absolutely intense. Uh, very intense. And here is what I think will shock every listener. It shocked me when I read this. I couldn't believe it. They scored 222 points without attempting one pass. Not one pass did they attempt. They scored 32 touchdowns, and they didn't throw the ball one time. That blows my mind. Um, I know the game of football was a lot different back then. It was primarily a running game and a special teams game. But still, not to attempt one pass. The t- Cumberland had minus 96 yards on offense. <laughs> okay, Georgia Tech had 1,620 yards of total offense. I just absolutely amazing. Uh, basically, uh, from what I read, uh, Cumberland, you know, they received the opening kickoff, didn't make a first down. And uh, after the punt, Georgia Tech scored on their first play. And then Cumberland fumbled the ball on their next play from scrimmage. Tech player picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. And it was just off from there. Um, I just I had to tell our listeners, you thought it was high scoring with Michigan and Illinois. This is insane. That was a little, uh, That is a little crazy. I mean, they have to have like a, a mercy rule or something nowadays. I mean, we'd have to check that. No, yeah, but, but no team. I mean, I don't think even I don't think if anyone was really running up the score nowadays like that, it, it, people would have you know they would just be so upset. Wave the white flag. Yeah, they would just. I mean, talk about people would just be so upset. Not just at that big of a loss, but at a team, a coach running up the score because there's no point. It really is bad. It's bad football to do that. There's no reason. If you have the game in hand, you know you just run the football. There's no reason to just march that score up because a lot of these teams could do that, especially when they're playing these non-conference teams. I mean, that's why Boise State, when they were playing, yeah, I forget who they were playing actually, but they sat their starters down after the first quarter. Uh, they were already up by like 30-some points. The starters went out after the first quarter. Uh, there really is no point to embarrass someone that bad. Back then it was. Uh, you know, the, the points mattered. The points mattered, but not... Well, they do matter still, obviously, but... <laughs> you know, that's that, how you win the game. Yeah, but yeah, that's how you win. But, you know, you're not getting ranked here based on your points. Right. But, uh, all right, we got five minutes left. Might as well go to the interesting facts. What's the, it this week? What's this? Okay, this week, it's, uh, it's just records. Oh. It doesn't mean necessarily sports. It's just records in general. Some... Some stupid ones, some uh, really ridiculous ones. Okay. And let's get it going. All Watch right. The uh, lions around there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have a bizarre lions fact at the end of each show. Oh, and 16. Oh, and 16. Perfect season. No one who knew this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What is billed as the world's largest weather vane? Sits on the shores of White Lake in Montauk, Michigan. It's 48 feet tall with a 26 foot wind arrow and adorned with a 14 foot replica of a 19th century Great Lakes schooner. That's a big weather vane. So where is? Do you know where Montauk, Michigan is? My guess is it's on the West Coast somewhere. Okay. That's my guess, just because that's where most of their weather vanes are, is over by Grand Rapids and uh-huh. stuff. So It's a good bet. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm guessing it's on Lake Michigan, but I have no idea. Yeah. Well, it's a big weather vane. 
Okay, let's move on. The world's largest coffee pot. This is a dumb one, but it's interesting. Uh, the world's largest coffee pot is located in Davidson, Saskatchewan. It measures 24 feet tall, and it is made of sheet metal and could hold 150,000 eight-ounce cups of coffee. Why? Why is that necessary? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's like right next to a Starbucks or something. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it's Canada. I don't know what they're doing right next there. to a Starbucks. Yeah, it's just a huge coffee. Just everyone wants to get their coffee from there. I mean, how could you not stop and get coffee there after seeing this coffee pot? Giant I mean, coffee thing is pot. huge. All right, let's see. The Tokyo World Lanes Bowling Center is the largest bowling establishment in the world. It has two hundred and fifty-two lanes and one tired pin setter. That's funny. They usually don't have jokes in these. Like, I make them up. One tired it, it just It just seems... Uh, one tired... That's good. I wonder who slipped that in there. That's a lot of bowling lanes, though. That really is. I feel like it had to be a bunch of floors. It, yeah, it would have to. It's probably an amazing bowling alley. I want to go there now. It sounds pretty cool. Anytime you're in Tokyo. I've been to Tokyo. Really? Yeah. Nice. Well, next time you go back to Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool things. I've been places. Yeah, I have not. <laughs> All right, let's see the next one. The world's largest ketchup bottle stands proudly next to Route 159, just south of downtown Collinsville, Illinois. This unique 170-foot-tall water tower was built in 1949 by W.E. Caldwell Company for the G.S. Suppinger Ketchup Bottling Company. In 1995, due to the efforts of the Ketchup Bottle Preservation Group, what, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, this piece of local history was saved from demolition and beautifully restored to its original appearance. It was a ketchup bottle... Water tower? Yeah, I think it, it used to be a water tower, basically, I think. Oh, and then, so they painted it like and a then, Yeah, bottle. then they turned it into this huge oh, ketchup gosh. bottle. I thought it was a giant ketchup bottle water tower. I was so confused for a <laughs> no, second. And that would be, that'd be pretty cool. That would actually be really cool. That would be real cool. <laughs> you should just get more inventive with these water towers. It can't all be the same. Right, my hometown, it's light blue. That's It's just yeah. painted light it's blue. Like green. Because they said it was the color of the sky. It, the sky is never that color. Never. Not in Michigan, at <laughs> Not least. Not in Michigan. No. <laughs> all right, here's here's a really good one for all you Monopoly fans out there. See if you got this beat. The longest Monopoly game ever played was 1,680 hours long. Oh That's 70 straight days Kill of me. Monopoly. Kill me. For That's real. Just, oh, Everybody is... quits after an hour because oh, no one man. can play anymore. No, I mean, get I, bored. I'll... 70 straight days. I mean, like I how hate... did someone not lose? Right. Or did I... they just keep playing? I don't get that. I, I hate being the banker, so if I was the banker, uh-huh, I would have been uh-huh. so upset. Yeah, the bank would have failed. <laughs> bank would have went bankrupt. Bailout for the bank. The Monopoly bank needs a bailout. <laughs> All right, here's another. I don't know why there's two Monopoly ones on here, but here's the next one. The longest Monopoly game in a bathtub what? was 99 hours long. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Why would you play in a bathtub? <laughs> Who thinks Doesn't of that? Doesn't the money, the pieces, the board, isn't something getting wet? <laughs> How can you sit in a bathtub for 99 hours? I think that can't be healthy. Oh my goodness. Okay, next one. The highest wind velocity ever recorded in the United States was 231 miles per hour oh on Mount God. Washington, New Hampshire in 1934. That is intense. Yeah, I want to know how tall that mountain is, though, because the atmosphere gets so different as you go yeah. higher. I wonder. Well, I'm going to have to look that up. Another Mount Washington. That's some high wind. Yeah. All right. Howard Kinsley and Mrs. R. Rourke, during a game of tennis, batted the ball back and forth 2,001 consecutive times. Ouch. And I play tennis. That's tough. <laughs> I, I would have to go to two hands. Yeah. And... I don't know. 
I mean, let's. I mean, I guess I could. Well, no, see, they're playing a match. Then it's. I mean, you could dink the ball back and forth right. that many times, but to actually be taking full swings, that's pretty crazy. Your arm would come out of your socket. Definitely. And here's the last one because we're just about out of time. Victor Hugo's Les Misérables contains one of the longest sentences in the French language: 823 words without a period. That's just a run-on, and that's just bad. So bad anytime whatever. your professor complains about a run-on sentence, just show him Victor Hugo's masterpiece. For real. And everything should be all right. <laughs> but listen, thanks to all of our listeners out there listening to Spartan Sports Wrap this hour. My name's Dave Ferencu. My name's Megan. And you guys have a great week. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.